1: watching the throne on itunes and rate us anywhere from one to five stars and then you take a screenshot of that review and get it to us either through twitter we are at kanye podcast or you email it to me at travis at watching the you will get entered to win my beautiful dark twisted fantasy on vinyl or i guess any format you want it on maybe cd maybe it's not going to set somewhere i don't know But if you do that, you will get entered into a contest with everyone else, and we will pick a winner in the next month or two. Uh, So good luck. Everybody wants to know what I would do if I didn't win. I guess we'll never know. So keep your love. I don't get enough of it. Jesus just rose again. Listen to the kids.
2: Welcome to Watching the Throne. A lyrical analysis of Kanye West. Oh shit. My name is Chris. Oh shit.
1: Oh shit. Oh shit. Oh shit. Bean. And today. We are doing an interview with a very special guest. <laughs> yeah, we got yeah.
2: Cole Kushner, host of uh, Dissect <laughs> Podcast, here to uh, tell us his story. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. What's up, guys?
2: <laughs> hey, Cole, why don't uh, you tell, tell the listeners out there a little bit about yourself?
0: Uh, Yeah, my name is Cole. Uh, I host and create, dissect podcast. Um, First season was on Kendrick Lamar's To Pimp a Butterfly. Essentially, um, every season, I pick one album and one song per episode. Not unlike what you guys do, I dissect a single album from start to finish and kind of get a... um, Long form analysis broken into short, digestible episodes is kind of the catchphrase, and the idea being that in this kind of chaotic world of of uh, short attention spans and things like that, uh, we need a, a place and a format for long long form analysis, but also to cater to our short attention span. So that's kind of the premise of the show. And season two, which launches today when this goes out, um, is on my beautiful, dark, twisted fantasy.
2: And that's beautiful, awesome. that's dark, and that's twisted. <laughs> <laughs> and,
1: I love the short digestible tag because it is literally the opposite of us. It is what we really need to do like once in a while. Like, <laughs> hold back maybe a little bit, but we're incapable of it, but you're there to talk about beautiful dark twisted fantasy in a listenable format, so we thank you that so much.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's uh, I think it'll, it's it's similar and it's not you know i mean i think uh, yeah. i think we're going for the same goal but it's just a different format
1: yeah
2: absolutely well and it's it's nice to have that kind of uh i mean you talk about people catering to people's short attention spans there's different different flavors for everyone right not just uh vanilla ice cream which you got <laughs> raspberry ice cream <laughs> blueberry ice neapolitan. cream neapolitan peach cobbler ice cream Apple ice cream. And the
1: the under. Oh, I need peach copper ice cream in my life.
2: <laughs> um, I'm a
0: more van- vanilla ice cream guy.
2: Ah, uh, there it is. There it is. The underrated. It is.
1: I I would agree with that. I I I feel like uh, vanilla is the. Sort of eight oh eights of ice cream, like it, it, like it doesn't seem like there's a lot there. It's like minimalist, it's it's light, but when you get down to it, like there's so much flavor and so much to really dive into. Yeah,
2: uh, I'm on board. I sometimes <laughs> crave McDonald's cones. Just hey, McDonald's vanilla.
1: ice cream is not bad. No, it's good. It's, yeah.
2: Well, so so Cole, uh, your story, <laughs> eh? when, uh do you remember when you first? Heard Kanye's music, like the first Kanye song you maybe heard, or the first time you sat down with the Kanye album?
0: Yeah, it was definitely, I was thinking about this. Um, it was definitely Jesus Walks. And it was, I saw a music video on the TV screen when that was still a thing. Um, I saw the Jesus Walks video. I remember thinking, I mean, this was obviously like 14 years ago now, but I remember thinking, and I, it's one of those moments. Weirdly enough that I remember, I have a terrible memory usually, but I can remember it pretty vividly because I just remembered I've never seen anything like it and I've never heard any any song like it. I just remember being, I wasn't like crazy into hip hop at, at that time, um, but I definitely dug in right away to his music uh, after that point. And I mean, from there it was just, you know, stand Stan style, I guess. <laughs> uh, what about a, Jesus Walks do you think okay, was
1: I, mean, yeah, I was just wondering in particular do you remember what it was about either the, the video or the music that really spoke to you
0: I mean first I just liked the track I just thought it sounded really good um, aside from that though I mean back then the the landscape of hip hop was so different and I remember thinking you know, this guy's talking about Jesus in a song that doesn't sound like a Christian song. You know, it's not your traditional thing. And I just remember being really, really unique uh, and, and super passionate. And the visuals were really, really good. Uh, yeah, I just remember being really impressed. What
2: uh, What kind of music were you listening to mostly at that time?
0: I don't know. 14 years ago. Let's see. I was probably more into like um like at the drive in, um like more of that indie kind of Mars Volta, the killers, that that kind of that kind of world. Oh hell yeah. The killers? <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> Mr. Brightside taking the world by storm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah i was like so sure you're gonna say green day or something i was gonna be like hey, here we go <laughs> oh
0: no. no i'm not
1: no <laughs> i don't know anything about him no, i just I'm thought gonna... it'd be
0: hilarious yeah no, i was in a in the indie rock band at that time so it was yeah at the drive-in mars so it was kind of my my wheelhouse
2: sure well so you said uh It created an instant stand when you heard that. Did you just go? Do you remember running out and like just grabbing College Dropout, devouring it, and then just being kind of uh, looking forward to all the albums that came out after that? Or was there any kind of gap between liking College Dropout and just a little bit more casual following that with the rest of the albums?
0: Yeah, I mean, I remember my, my most vivid memories. I definitely remember when like late registration hit. But mostly, I really remember the graduation rollout um, pretty vividly. And I mean, I was buying the albums on the first day, type of type of fan. (laughs) Um, You know, purchased my physical graduation so he could beat 50 Cent type of thing. Um, (laughs) And then, I mean, 808s was what really put me over the edge in terms of. I mean, his artistry was always shown, and he was definitely carved out his own niche uh, and created an influence with the college trilogies. But when 808s hit, that's kind of when I was fully on board with him. Um, I just love that. I mean, I have a soft spot for like bands like Radiohead and The Beatles who kind of use their popularity to then introduce a public to brand new sounds and innovation and don't just kind of rest on their laurels. And I remember just when he hit, when 808 hit, I was just, I was floored. Um, and I loved that he took that risk and I loved that he introduced um, that style of music, which at that time was obviously unlike anything anyone's ever heard. And then Bow Today, that's like all you ever hear on the radio, so
1: yeah. um,
0: to kind of be older enough.
1: Because all you hear is Drake. Understand...
0: Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's like, <laughs> that that sound that minimalism meets trap drums i mean that was 808s and to be old enough to kind of live through that and also be old enough to like understand it and see that influence happening in real time is uh was is definitely a cool experience
1: yeah
0: it's, um it's uh almost like
2: we need to have how there's a, like AD and BC we need to have like pre 808s <laughs> and post 808s as our like calendar
1: for music <laughs> i agree yeah that's yeah was there a yeah, song on 808s in particular oh, go ahead sorry
0: i uh, was just gonna say ironically i kind of fell off um i after 808s i i went to school for music composition and basically i turned my ears off against everything except for classical music so i fell out of touch with like I don't remember the the rollout of my beautiful dark twisted fantasy so much. I remember good Fridays and stuff, but I was like passively following it um, until I got out of college. And then I kind of had all this new music to rediscover uh, like after watching the throne and stuff. And then I kind of got back on track with what was happening in the, in the modern world.
1: (laughs) Were you studying classical music?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I was, pretty heavily involved in that world um, writing pieces for full orchestra and, and chamber music and which is you know pretty tall feat so I, I didn't have time to really listen to anything other than classical music at that time
1: hmm. Is there some sort of crisscross happening between what you love about classical music and what you love about Kanye? Is there somewhere in the middle where they meet and you're just like they're doing something on some level for you that really works.
0: Yeah, and that's kind of the the premise of one of the premises of dissect is that I spent all this time studying this quote unquote high art, you know, people revere or just in their minds consider classical this this kind of on a pedestal music template. Um, but to me, I actually don't see any difference between classical and good music in any genre Um, and Kanye is a perfect example of someone that's utilizing hip hop as a genre or I mean, outside of hip hop, obviously him, but um, is utilizing it in the same way that a Beethoven was in his day. Um, There could never be another Beethoven. I'm convinced that like a Kanye West in our day and age is our Beethoven. And one of my favorite things about the season that I'm producing Um, for season two with Kanye is that I get to actually directly connect like a lineage between, I actually reference Beethoven and his use of the C minor uh, key signature with Kanye West Power's uh, use of the C minor key signature and I'm able to draw direct parallels between their music um, which has been really fascinating and really fun for me but yeah there's definitely a direct connection in my
1: mind yeah, I I uh, heard that part of that ad- on that episode, and I thought it was kind of next level shit.
0: Oh, cool. Yeah, I'm hoping I'm hoping <laughs> my to use my my background in in classical, which is I know not everyone's background, kind of to show some things maybe that people would never consider. Just because obviously it takes you know, a certain kind of person to dive into classical. <laughs>
2: Well, I I think it's helpful, too, because so much of the conversation about Kanye West as an artist is still emerging, right? Like when we talk about Beethoven or we talk about Picasso, uh, a lot of these names that are thrown out there synonymous with high art and the best artist in their their field, at least at that time, um, so much of the scholarly work has been done. Uh, A lot of the debates and conversations that were uh, molten at the time have cooled and formed the landscape of understanding that this person is the great artist uh, and their personalities kind of fall away. It's just the artist that remains. But with Kanye, we're still in the midst of kind of the volcanic eruption. He's still producing conversation about him is still very... uh, very he's still meeting with Trump yeah uh creating like a very interesting landscape when it comes to talking about Kanye which is why I think uh what you're saying about being able to make connections between Kanye and these artists that are very well respected like Beethoven in that sense to show that kind of lineage adds to the conversation that is what kind of artist is Kanye and what kind of artist, what's his legacy going to be? Like, we're shaping that legacy.
0: Yeah, and I I also think, you know, music at its best is representative of its time. So you can use Beethoven's music, for instance, um, to learn about the history of what was going on during that time um, through his symphonies, which, you know, a lot of them directly reference the politics and that landscape that was going on. And that was also the only genre of music back then, I mean, or that was the main genre. And now we're living in an age where hip hop is the main genre. I don't know if you guys saw that study that just came out, but you know, hip hop is the most popular music in America right now. And we're not gonna look back, we're gonna look back on this era or, or the people ahead of us are gonna look back on this era and they're gonna be looking at hip hop and they're gonna be looking at Kanye West and Kendrick Lamar and Jay-Z as the people that are representing this time um, and I don't think it has anything to do with the genre I think it has to do with relevancy and just what people were actually listening to at that time
1: yeah I, I think that's so exciting just because I we just talked about this an episode but hip-hop is still so young like it is so young compared to so many different forms of art and even styles of music and it, we are like, I think in this period where even though rap was great and did great things in it's early days in the nineties, like it's really reached to me a kind of a pinnacle for it as a form of art. And Kanye kind of really represents that transition, you know, what he did with 808s and Yeezus and, now, what he's done with the life of Pablo, it, it really transcends what we thought hip hop was, and has brought it to this new territory. And to think, <laughs> to be able to look back that in like fifty years from now, I think it's going to be kind of mind blowing.
0: Yeah, I, I I totally agree.
2: What um, so you're in school uh, for musical composition, working heavily with uh, classical music, composing it, listening to it when you said you emerged and had all this kind of present day modern day music to listen to um did you view kanye's earlier albums in a different way than you had before
0: yeah yeah uh, that's interesting i haven't really thought about it that way but i definitely there's like almost a nostalgic quality to them where you hear them with fresh ears obviously you're you're thinking about the the memories that you're making during that time. Um, but then also you get like, it's not antiquity, but it's like, you know, that kind of, that style of music isn't being created. And I don't know if it could be created again. Um, so I kind of quickly realized that that was kind of a time capsule of an era that I had suddenly realized that I was now that was something different now. Um, and I think that's kind of reflected in a work like, my beautiful dark twisted fantasy um or watch the throne or you know that whole that era of music which was obviously building on on what came before it but yeah i was gone i was gone long enough to to realize things had changed that's for sure
1: (laughs) you came back into everything too with my beautiful twisted fantasy out like it was ready for you that must have been really crazy for you and it's probably weird to think about now because you're doing an entire season on, it in your podcast. Like, do you remember what it was like hearing that album with fresh ears when like the world had already been consuming it for a while?
0: Yeah, I was kind of pissed at myself. <laughs> it's like, how did I, how did I miss this? Like, I mean, from just the opening, the opening chords of just like, like I have never heard an album like this and definitely not an album within the genre of hip hop like this. Like, that that first minute of that song of Dark Fantasy is just, I mean, if that's not a wake-up call to something really special, then, you know, I don't know what is. God. I still remember, like, when that
2: album came out and just being in the car, it was 22 degrees outside in Ohio, and I had to put the windows down while listening to it just because I had the volume so loud, and it was much better listening to it with the windows down. And driving fast yeah, and yeah. freezing than it was just keeping the windows up and the volume low.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. Kanye keeps you warm,
0: <laughs> like Campbell's suit.
1: Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's like he
2: has those strong arms around me. Oh gosh, I can only I can only dream. <laughs> um, also, Kanye goes from this kind of nostalgic period into something that feels much more transcendent with 808s and then My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy. Getting into Yeezus and the Life of Pablo, um, were you on board with those projects immediately? Are they projects that you grew to like over time that you still feel hesitant about? Where do you land there?
0: Oh, no, I mean, Yeezus is my favorite Kanye album, hands down. Um, I mean, I remember when I was so excited when Yeezus came out, like, that... That is like tonally and sonically, that is like my kind of album. And and it, it was another 808s to me where like he was using his popularity and his influence to pre- present new ideas and new sounds and, and kind of expanding people's worlds. And I think we're just now starting to see the real influence of Yeezus of um, like even um, Vince Staples' new record, I think is a perfect example of what Yeezus could potentially do um, in terms of sonic influence in hip hop. Um, but yeah, I mean that Ye- when Yeezus came out, that was that was a great moment for me. It was again another 808s, another kind of Kid A, Radiohead, uh, another Sgt. Pepper moment in music history for me. Um, yeah, I just love that he was taking that risk, and it just sounds great. The narrative's great. I mean, there's that's that's my definitely hands down favorite Kanye record. My man, it's, uh... <laughs>
2: you're in good company. <laughs> I just get I just got goosebumps, like playing in my head. Not even like playing it, but just thinking about the opening seconds of On Sight, and just like yeah. how iconic that kind of scrambled, weird sound is.
1: Yeah, especially if you're a Kanye fan and you're used to a certain level, a certain sound from him, even coming off my beautiful Twisted Fantasy, like even though that album is maximalist and a whole new sound, like Yeezus is almost like grunge in a way. You know, it's like it really grabs you in a way that you're not ready for, I think, with Kanye and I wish I had an immediate reaction to it. Like my, my love for Jesus is, was kind of a slow burn and um, which I think actually just speaks to like how deep and layered it is. It takes time to really consume and understand. But I, I that element of it to me is so transcendent and amazing that he could, get, that he had the uh, bravery to get bravery, Jesus Christ, that to go to that point and really just like put out something that, would literally never in a year, million years for like playing the radio, like not be super popular, but really advances like artistic, uh, you know, movement and growth and all that. Yeah. And even
0: with the, like the installation pieces of the music video and the way that he released it, uh, and the cover art being like this kind of goodbye to his CD or physical CDs. Um, I mean, just everything about it was, Really thought out. I thought pretty, pretty incredibly. Yeah. What a,
2: did you have any fear? Like, do you have fear that each time a Kanye album comes out, you may be like, "Oh no, I don't like this."
0: <laughs> no, I'm at the point where Kanye has done enough, and I think anything that I get from Kanye from this point on is kind of bonus. <laughs> um, I mean, I like the life of Pablo was probably the slowest um like you called it a slow burn that's probably how i describe the life of pablo my experience once i understood what he was doing i enjoyed it a lot better like the messiness of it like i'm a very organized person (laughs) that (laughs) record is is a beautiful mess and once i got past that the, and and that was kind of what he was going for, or ended up going for. I don't know if that was planned initially, but um, once it became that, and once I bought into that idea, um, yeah, it, I've come to definitely
1: love it as well. Hmm. That's interesting to me. I uh, I think a lot of my slow burn with Jesus was that I didn't, I don't think I fully understood, kind of even to that point. Like even though I thought my beautiful dark twisted fantasy was one of the best albums ever, and I had been running, you know, my running mixes were all just Connie. Like Connie was my life. It was everything. And I but he wasn't really somebody I followed a ton, I guess. Um, and I think uh-huh. for the life of Pablo, it was more of a case where I had been following him so much and I was in that whole Twitter mess when he was saying the album's coming out and then it wasn't coming out and he was telling the world about like his album. Like something about it felt very unified and I felt included in it in a way that um I didn't it wasn't a slow burn for me at all for the life of Pablo. It was like the second I heard Ultra Light Beam, I was like I I had bought in the Kanye saying, you know, this is the album of life. Um and I was i I'm wondering, is that is that a relationship you have with Kanye? Is he somebody that you follow and you he kind of influences I guess maybe <laughs> I don't know if it goes to the lengths of me and Chris are at where <laughs> where Kanye <Connie> is like, <laughs> defining things in our lives and like we live our lives by Kanye but is do you follow him on that level and do you like buy into like his message and all that
0: yeah I think um, yeah I'm probably not at your guys's level just because <laughs> I don't have the title I, yeah I, don't know. I have a daughter and a family and stuff so I try to, <laughs> yeah. more important yeah.
1: things in life
0: yeah that changes a lot i mean um, but i would say i used to follow him really really closely i still follow him i still know about his fashion releases i know about his mess with jay-z and i know you know all that i i know all that stuff for sure um yeah and you know his his influence on fashion and urban culture in general is you know that's something i really respect and i think that he doesn't Get enough credit for in the general populace. Like when I ask, when I tell my mom or my dad how influential they, that he is to culture, it's kind of one of those hard conversations. Um, yeah. I don't know if you guys have that experience too, but oh God, every but. Thanksgiving dinner. <laughs> oh, there you go. Yeah.
2: I was, I was um, getting my hair cut and I got into like a, a big discussion. It wasn't so much like an argument because I was like, "She has scissors near my head. Like I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna be calm about this." But she's just like, "Ah, oh, I hate him. I hate him." Yeah, and I just have like a single tear rolling down my cheek.
0: Which is like, yeah, and that's a big. That's kind of one of my big goals with this season. Um, with dissect is like my first. I always said that my first uh, Kendrick Lamar season was. You know, The goal of it was to make my mom a fan of Kendrick Lamar, meaning that um, if she would have heard his music out of context, just on the radio or wherever, she would just instantly write it off because she doesn't like the sound of it. But I think his music is much more than the sound of the music. And I wanted to present it in a way that would be accessible to someone like her. Um, That was kind of the goal the same thing is with Kanye is that I think he's very representative of how we view and treat icons with disrespect or um, mm-hmm. not having a lot of empathy or just, they, they become some they, they, they become dehumanized, which I think is really dangerous, especially for artists that are giving us these beautiful gifts all the time. Yeah. Um, And so part of this season is trying to create empathy um, with Kanye, um, a sense of, you know, that he is human, that he does, you know, imagine yourself at the level that he's at and the pressures that he must deal with. Um, And I want to, I want to humanize Kanye. That's kind of one of my goals with the season. And I think that, you know, if my mom was the goal for, for Kendra Kamar than my sister who is an avid uh Kanye West um hater. My my goal will be to convince her.
2: <laughs> Love it. I I think that's a I think that's a good measuring stick because if you're just like trying to create a show to convince like the average fan, it's just like the average non fan, it's like where do I start? But if you have that model in mind of like my sister being able to extrapolate from there <laughs> Um yeah. And it gives a little bit of that that personal drive, which I think is a is a good lesson for anybody that's creating anything, just to kind of have um a person in your life that you're making this for in a certain way that helps add that little extra bit of
0: motivation. Yeah. It's also I mean I don't know, maybe you guys feel this too, but it's kind of frustrating the stigma around him uh it's like you can't and i i even fall victim to it all the time it's like you can't talk about him without talking about his personality which i think is ridiculous and you know time will time will that'll be a positive and as time goes by and uh history kind of proves that his quote-unquote arrogance is was you know that'll be a footnote to the legacy that he that he left us but living in the moment it's it's very frustrating to have to deal with that anytime his name is brought up
1: yeah i think the biggest frustration for me personally is that I, I what most people see of kanye is is just that what they see if you're not a kanye fan you just see the ridiculous saying he said you see what this media posted of him you see him interrupting taylor swift like you don't it's not like you know everything about Kanye West. And you wouldn't if you weren't a fan. Like, why would you? Like, you wouldn't go deep into his life and try to figure out his personality. And because of that, I think his personality is actually a little – uh, der- like, it's not represented fully. Like, as somebody who is following Kanye at a stalkerish level, I don't really have a problem with his personality. I don't agree with everything he said, just like I don't agree with – everything chris says but like i don't you know i'm not going to talk about shit shit behind chris's back you know i I, it's just connie is this like entity to me he's somebody that there's a lot of depth to him that the public just doesn't see doesn't really care to see and that's why it's kind of tough having that conversation with the you know casual uh somebody who's just casually sees connie who doesn't really look into him it's it almost makes me wonder if the conversation is kind of worth having, which is a terrible thing to say because yeah. it's the opposite of what your podcast is doing. <laughs> You're trying to introduce people to Kanye and kind of the beauty of this. But to me, it's like I've been kind of um, it's 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 kind of made me a little downtrodden about the matter. Like it's it's become physically draining for me to try to convince people of Kanye when I think in general people don't really want to know the deeper side of him.
0: Yeah, I, I I definitely see that. Um, I, I I definitely agree, actually. Um, and like, it, it's not like on my show, I'm like begging people to to do it. It's yeah. more like it's more con- it's more convincing based on like journalistic approach. You know, like I'm not right. directly implying like, hey, you should feel this way, but it's like presenting the material in a way that I think hopefully everyone could re- at least respect.
1: Yeah, it's very NPR-ish.
2: I think uh I think what both of you are saying is exactly how the conversation probably needs to go because if you are trying to have more of that like hey you should like Kanye because of this this and this most of the time people will push back like don't tell me what to like like no yeah but uh I feel like a lot of the information Travis as you were saying is comes from headlines but when people start to realize that Kanye has that background in um, like the arts and was writing poetry early on was uh, off in China for a while and doing all (laughs) kinds of crazy things that he and his dad would go to art museums all the time. And Kanye was learning about like artistic technique that he was a painter and had a painting, like a scholarship to an art school for fine art and painting. Like uh, those are the things that I think, Qualify in people's minds a bit more that he is an artist, but if you just see the headlines and you just think of him as a musician, um, and I don't mean to say musician is a negative term, but musicians are artists. But you think about like somebody like Pitbull, you know, like is Pitbull necessarily <laughs> like?
1: You take that back.
2: <laughs> He's a musician, but is is he an artist? Like uh, I feel like not every. Not every artist is a musician. Likewise, not every musician is an artist. Um, yeah. Especially with the industry. No, I how totally it is. agree. Yeah. So people just yeah, being I, able to I, learn those facts about Kanye, I think, helps.
0: Yeah, I definitely agree. I don't think of Kanye as a musician um, really at all. I mean, that's part of what he does, but... I think he's he's well beyond that and you would just have to call him an artist in the same way that you'd have to call a Kendrick Lamar an artist at this point too. Um, what he's doing outside of music with visuals and, and concert performances and with Kanye fashion, I mean, there's just, music is just one, you know, one area that he does very well, but at this point it's just one area of what he, he contributes.
1: Yeah, and I think that'll be part of what we already talked about how in 50 years we'll be able to look at Kanye and really understand him more. I mean, right now, I mean, I get it why you just look at him as solely a musician, because that's the way he does. You wouldn't, you know, you don't you're not going to go like look up all his background and see that he loves poetry. And you won't see that he's made a movie like that's on the level of Stanley Kubrick that he wants to make a video game. You just know, you know, he interrupted Taylor Swift and fuck that guy. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Well, it's interesting about his his story too, and um, just how he came up. You know, it's kind of interesting. Well, you know, when he came up, gangster rap was you know the 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 sub genre of hip hop was the dominant sub genre, and his story is interesting because it's like, but it's one I think a lot of people could relate to if they knew it was, you know, he was trying to fit into a world where his. You know suburban kind of background was working against him um and he had people you know literally making fun of him to his face and behind his back when they he would rap for them um you know and that that kind of story you know and him and one of the things i try to do on the show is kind of put context to his his arrogance which he has you know been on record very early on saying that i've created you know, my ego is a product of me being insecure and also me being faced with this adversity of people not accepting me for who I am. And he called it a force field, you know, so his ego becomes a force field and it's the only way that he was able to persevere through that and not accept defeat. Um, which I think is a story that everyone can can relate to if they knew it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I also think he's taken it to the level of, uh, like, that ego becomes part of, like, who he is. Like, this image. Like, uh, kind of like Edward glowing in Twilight, you know? Like, it's this, like, thing that radiates, radiates off him. And I, I, he really uses it to inspire people, I think. I, I find it inspiring. This idea that you it's one thing to say, like, someone, like, if you believe in yourself, you can do anything. Like, Kanye is literally living that in a way that is... Insane, kind of like what you were referring to in those early days when he would rap for people, and they would just laugh at him and like say like You can't rap, like this is ridiculous." But Kanye had a different vision for himself. You know, he wasn't just a rapper; he was an artist. He was going to create this like next level kind of music, which she went on to do because of that. He believed in himself that much, which is insane. And like you might think it's delusional, but look what he did. He's the biggest rap star in the world.
2: Yeah. There's also something to be said about the, uh, the cultivation of celebrity in the way that he does, uh, for most of the interviews that I've read and things that I've seen, the conversation is that when Kanye is off camera, behind the scenes, away from people just with friends and family, he's not the kind of, blustery, intense uh, Kanye that we see that goes onto the Ellen show or onto (laughs) the radio. Um, It's really interesting reading accounts from like his stepmom or his cousin or just other artists that have met him uh, and talked with him. And the image of the Kanye that they encountered versus the image of the Kanye that we see in the public uh, realm I feel like that's a a very interesting idea that a lot of the the ego that we see could also be not just force field but also
0: uh, branding.
1: Yeah, the Andy Warhol syndrome. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think at this point he, I mean, he's a very smart guy, obviously, and I think he knows what he is doing most of the time in terms of what but, what media buttons he's pushing at what time. That's pretty clear to me at this point now. So getting into everything that
2: you did for season two, all the research, all the interviews that you had to watch and listen <laughs> to, um, I'm sure all the work that went into the show that doesn't even make it into the show, but helps uh, decide what does and doesn't. Um, how did your perspective on... Kanye, even as a fan going into it, uh, shift or change or adjust? or What surprised you the most of the process?
0: Um, I mean, I always think of the early interview that I I used a lot on the the first episode, which was an unpublished uh, or unaired um, MTV before... I forgot what it was, um, which exact show it was, but they never aired it. And it was him right when he got signed to Rockefeller but hadn't broken in the mainstream yet and how eager he was to get out. Like he knew, he knew he was going to be this person. He, like it was in his mind. He saw it before anyone else. Um, And also just kind of reading the accounts of even from a very young age at age three, I think it was his mom said that, like Kanye has been Kanye since age three. I, you know, this is not, this is, this is who he is. This is not anything new. Um, but also, you know, taking the earlier interviews and the early accounts and then kind of seeing how it evolved. I think there's that, that foundation of who he was and then what fame did to him. Um, it's like kind of, I don't know about sad, but there's kind of this melancholic, thread to his later work that was not there in his early work so much. Oh, yeah. I mean, late registration definitely has its moments of, of, melancholy, but you know, the music is very personal in a way in the later work that contrasts with this. You can kind of hear his ambition and that usefulness and that kind of optimism in the early, in the early records and then kind of progressing. It's kind of this decaying, um, Stressful. um, I don't know. It's just, it's kind of, yeah, it's a little bit sad. I don't know uh, if that makes sense, but.
1: For sure. I I think,
0: kind of stuck out.
1: I think, especially on. Yezus, beautiful, my beautiful dark twisted fantasy is the lead in the Yeezus, and it's literally the stripping down of his character. that's happening at the end of my beautiful dark twisted fantasy that leaves this kind of shell that it is Yeezus, where it's like almost emotionless and like kind of depraved of any humanity. Just this being that has been stripped apart by society and celebrity, and he's just kind of off the rails. And I, I think that's what makes the life of Pablo is so beautiful as we see him kind of blossom and regain what made old Kanye like so appealing, you know, he's, he's kind of moved out of this Jesus mode and it, just following that whole trajectory of him is uh, like fascinating to me. But yeah, you're totally right. That decaying is such a important part of probably between 808s and Yeezus. Like that's really where it's happening. Yeah, no, definitely.
2: That's what makes, uh, we often talk about the, narrative journey that you can i don't think it's i I never argue anything in terms of like canon but we like to talk about the arc that you can kind of trace of kanye's life and that reflected in the journey of the music and just seeing that downturn and then kind of the redemption that comes out in the life of pablo leading into wolves with kim is just uh it's such a beautiful and hopeful thing to me that I'm just like, what a journey I just went on to see somebody like grow up, lose their innocence, uh, lose hope and then rediscover that hope and uh, a drive to move forward into a better life with this person that they love.
0: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It, let me ask you this. Where does, where does life of Pablo end? Does it end with wolves or does it end with now Saint um Saint uh, pablo, pablo.
2: oh well i think we We've talked about this yeah we feel that the main story of the album uh ends with wolves in a sense that that's like the main arc with the last few tracks being a kind of epilogue um that Got show it. more of uh the present day kind of kanye
1: Got it. Especially since St. Pablo in particular is kind of a. it was made after the album was done and it's kind of this this broad like uh you know, standing on a mountain look at everything that's going on and kinda reacting to how the public reacted to his own album. It's kind of this I find the whole bonus tracks on The Life of Pablo really fascinating in that sense to where, yeah, it doesn't connect with the story necessarily in a linear sense, but it is a definite continuation of everything we've experienced in the life of Pablo. Like, it's he's been born into this family life, he's grown up, he's discovered what it is to live a full life. And then we get these god mode tracks where Connie's really kind of like looking at the landscape, looking at his career. It's disconnected, like, kind of emotionally from the specific things in Life of Pablo, but it's also looking at everything that, you know, those emotional tracks fed into of his career. It's I think it's really fascinating in a way like that is harder to define than the, you know, the narrative of Jesus and the Life of Pablo, which is so specific and exact. The epilogue tracks on Life of Pablo are kind of abstract in that way. And I I love that. I love that he went to that space and really did just in a way make bonus tracks, like he calls them. Do you, do you
0: guys think he's gonna keep adding on to it
1: <laughs> I hope so <laughs>
2: <laughs> that would uh that'd be interesting if he did if he continued to go back tweak add things um i kind of it feels weird to say I kind of hope not, but I guess i <laughs> we have all these versions already of the album that it's what's why not have more? Um, But I guess I'm more interested in seeing what he does next rather than adding more onto that one. Got it, yeah. Um, But to what Travis is saying, I I do kind of view it as, uh, like, between Ultralight Beam and uh, Wolves, it's like we get this story, and then you see a book close, if it was a movie, and then you realize, like, the character has been reading us this book the whole time of their life. And then the last 10 minutes of the movie is just follow them, following them around at the present day. You're like, Oh, Oh. interesting. Okay. (laughs)
0: Yeah. That's a cool way to to view it.
2: Um, okay. So what, uh, what has you most excited about the season for people to hear and, um, understand about Kanye or encounter, do you have like an episode that you're really like excited for people to listen to? Cause you think it's going to be the one that, uh, kind of blows their blows their mind.
0: Yeah. The one I sent you guys, uh, the power episode, um, is probably the one I, the whole, the whole season is not done yet, but power is the one right now. Um, that I hope that people can, I think it really exemplifies the depth of his work. Um, it was really hard to pack in everything. I mean, obviously I'm leaving things out, but you know, I think it's like 40 minutes or whatever, but what I was able to pack in there and the connections that I drew to earlier music uh, with Beethoven and kind of unpacking the music video and how that plays a role um, with the interpretation of the just the song itself, um, that's kind of the one that I think exemplifies what he is capable of doing both musically, lyrically, um, and visually, it's a nice little package. It is a nice little Which package. Which I didn't know. I didn't... It's <laughs> a little Kanye package. But yeah, I didn't really know that going into, into Power too. And it's always, I'm sure you guys have the experience of thinking you know something about a song, and then sitting oh, yeah. down with it and, realize, and realizing that you... Like, a lot of times they will be like, well, this song probably doesn't have a lot to it. And then I'll sit down and be like, oh, well, shit. Like, this is my longest
1: episode Yeah. For us, uh, oh yeah, my earliest memory of that, weirdly, was Breathe In, Breathe Out, which sounds stupid as shit, but when (laughs) I think we went into the Breathe In, Breathe Out episode like, God, this is Kanye's worst song. And then Chris and I listened to it like a couple times, and we were reading lyrics, and then both of us were just like, I think this is pretty fucking good. (laughs) And we just (laughs) found this like Whole story that was like kind of foreshadowing new Kanye and like his ability to navigate this narrative, it was kind of amazing. Yeah, yeah. But, I love
0: it. I love that song
1: for the great. Oh, yeah, wavy! Well,
2: <laughs> it's uh, it's one of the earliest, especially on that album that has so many guest verses. It's one of the few songs on that album that's like narrative based and just him from beginning to end and getting to see the narrative really develop, not just in over the course of a verse like we get on Spaceship, but over the course of three verses and what he can do with that. And uh, he does some yeah. things, which is exactly what you noted in the Power episode, how he's able to morph um, the listener's impression of the song and interpretation of the song to really bring you to different emotional... Uh, Plateaus and valleys that you didn't expect you were going to go.
0: Like, damn, Kanye. Damn. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, that's a great, that empowers just a great representation of that, just where the song begins and where it ends, and for not being a crazy long song. And he does it very, it's not, it's, it's subtle too. I mean, that was a, you know, a radio hit, and to, that's a feat in my eyes is to have a, a song with so much complexity, so much just sonic diversity, um, uh, but also maintain a pop sensibility is really, really, really difficult to do. And I think people underestimate how difficult it really is to create art. That is also be, is able to be popular. Um, that's a, it's probably one of the hardest things to do in art. Ah, <sighs> I wish
2: I could experience that one day. <laughs> um, well, so do you? Uh, do you have a top five Kanye songs that you'd like to share? I think I'm probably springing this wow. on you.
0: I can give you. I'll give you the top five that come to mind. How about okay. that? And that's some kind of top five. Does that work? Yeah, that's good. I think for me, I think uh, "Ultra Light beams. The first one that comes to mind um that is just a masterpiece for in my opinion uh i really like i'm in it like that song Oof. is my jam <laughs> that, that's the one that i i'll listen to the loudest um i don't know <laughs> if i put that in my top five but that's that's the one that's coming to mind um dark fantasy um How many is that? Four. Yeah, four. Yeah, I got three. I I got it. (laughs) It's like it's like walking into the the video rental store or the music store. Oh god! You're just overwhelmed overwhelmed with choices, and then you go blank. Um. You got this. Yeah, I'm thinking of all the op- I'm thinking of all the openers, but I don't want to just give you all the openers. <laughs> openers are so good.
2: Uh, is it something on Jesus? Is it something on?
0: Uh... Yeah, I think uh, Spaceship is one that's coming to mind. Uh, that was a that was my favorite for a long time. Oh, yeah. uh, Can't tell me nothing is a is another one. I think I'm at five there, but um you yeah, are. I mean that's that's a tough, that's a tough question.
1: <laughs> yeah yeah chris I, and i get to uh carefully craft our list each week and <laughs> as we go song by song so it's a little easier for us and don't be ashamed or be hesitant about including i'm in it it was my number one for a while
0: okay good
1: it was uh my number
2: one i think for a few weeks and then what replaced it i think blood on the probably "Runaway" and streetlights Oh, Streetlights may have. I think Streetlights was up there for a little
0: bit, and then Blood on the Leaves just
2: leapt to one. Hmm. You
0: know what's funny about Blood on the Leaves as an admission is that was my least favorite song on Jesus for a long time.
2: Ooh. Ooh. That's okay.
1: It, <laughs> it took me years to like college dropouts at all. Yeah. Um, well... I, well, that's funny because I I, while I think Blood and the Leaves is kind of so next level and it, there's so much to it that it's like impossible to not like it like it like I appreciate it on this level that is far above many kind of sounds that I might like more but with that said I kind of have a similar reaction to Blood of the Leaves to where I I think right now on the podcast it's my lowest ranked Esa song, or second lowest ranked, of the ones we've done, because it—I just think sonically it's not the headspace I need us. You know, I want to be in with a song. It's, it, it's almost too. <laughs> I don't know how to describe it, but it's just like it's almost too much to handle.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah,
0: did you guys see it live?
1: Yes. Yeah, I must That's have. I don't what, remember. It
0: was one of the best songs when i saw him live oh and you know you guys know i was at the uh sacramento meltdown right
2: oh shit shit. i did not know that how was that
0: (laughs) it was like you know right right next to my my daughter being born and and getting married it's right up there (laughs) (laughs) oh if you've ever yeah i mean the if you've ever been in a room, the, the biggest thing I took away was like me and my friend kind of, we were on the we were on the ground level and then we went up to the bleachers and, and just sat and watched it kind of unfold after he walked off stage. But if you've ever been in a stadium, well, you're likely not to have, but that was kind of what was unique about it, the experience was that, you know, it went from just because he was like an hour and a half late to get on stage for one. So the anticipation was just like nuts in the room. So when he finally did, and then he brought out Kid, uh, Kid Cudi with him, it was just euphoric, orgasmic arena just going insane, right? So you're on this ultimate high. And then literally three songs later, he's doing this rant, which in the moment, like, you don't realize what's happening. Obviously, you, you can't really understand what's going on uh, fully and the effect that it's going to have. Um, you know, I just remember actually thinking, like, is is he gonna be okay like that was kind of my first thought because it was clear that something was something unlike the crazy Kanye that we're used to is something different than that um but then the emotion in the room when he slowly took a stage you know he was all the way across on one side of the arena he didn't say anything as he was going from one side to the other and then when he reached the other side of the arena, is when he said, I forgot exactly what he said, but something to the effect of like the media is going to go crazy with this and then drops the mic. You know, the arena then goes just shock. Like, what is, what's actually happening? Is he really walking off stage? Is he really, the concert really over? Then people start like crying. Like, literally, people around me are <laughs> crying. Wow. And then, and then it goes from that like kind of initial sadness to just, anger like i there was you know 10 minutes into it there was a guy right next to me that like knocked over the divider on the ground like he was like took his shirt off and was like pissed breaking things Holy fuck. like I, I honestly thought there was going to be a riot like it was that kind of vibe um so just to be like you know within a 15 minute period to just experience you know twenty thousand people kind of on this roller coaster of motion was like you know just super fascinating from like a or anthropological kind of perspective.
2: Yeah, that that would have to be because especially the personal perspective, it's not like you were just like a journalist there that's like covering and you're like, oh, this is interesting. You're like there as a Kanye fan being like, what the fuck? But then having that disconnect to like watch everybody else but then also having your own feelings come up in that matter and searching those and then observing again it had to be such a strange strange night
0: no it was the the best thing was like people in kanye shirts yelling fuck kanye (laughs) jeez (laughs) top.
2: Yeah, it was uh, Kendrick's line just uh, ringing in your ear? When shit hit the fan, is you still a fan?
0: Yeah, that's kind of like, I wrote a piece uh, about the experience that I made a, a like a standalone podcast with, and that's kind of actually how I started um, the segue from, because I was deep into Kendrick at that time, so I started with that song, Mortal Man, um, and kind of Kendrick's own... Um, premonition on fame and what's going to happen to him was my segue into Kanye being vilified, and and then it kind of led me into empathy and exploring. You know, what is it to be empathetic? Truly, is empathy? Do is there a capacity on empathy? You know, do we reserve empathy for some people and other people not, or is it you know more of an objective, universal thing when it's practiced? Uh, it kind of led the, down those kind of more introspective. Uh, lanes, just because I thought it was, and then it came out obviously that he was checked into a hospital, which I kind of saw coming. I mean, it was it was very clear that he was something was going on, um, and rather than to get angry, I thought it was more useful to be empathetic and and concerned. That's a responsible Kanye fan.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um. There's... Damn. Well, I'm happy that came up because that's a uh, that was great to hear your account of it. Um,
1: I yeah, definitely of, different from what you kind of hear just from the you know media standpoint. And you can only really gather what you can from a video, but to be there and experiencing it live is just kind of a, a just a different headspace to be in.
0: Yeah, I mean, and, and it was better than a concert. I thought after the fact. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was. i would have remembered i would have remembered the concert but i don't it wouldn't be as special as this experience was It's kind of sad that is to say to see someone melting down but from like a historical kind of perspective it could be a very key point in kanye's kind of arc uh, and career so to be there and yep. witness it was kind of cool
2: because that's the that's the nader right like after that he goes to the hospital he gets his sleep deprivation like counseling and lectures i'm sure of like what the fuck are you doing staying up for a week at a time like you need to sleep you need to get on a healthy (laughs) schedule and uh we're now in that post breakdown phase where we don't know yet how that will affect Kanye the musician, because oftentimes you hear that musicians work best when they're sad or when they're in their like depressed states. But there have been a lot of studies on that idea. And most of the artists reported, even in like, you know, letters that they'd share with friends, somebody like Picasso or Mozart, um, that they actually did their best work when they were happy. It wasn't the sad, like depressive times that led to the like best music or the most uh important work they did it was when they were actually healthiest
0: yeah i think it's going to be really interesting uh to see what he puts out next um i mean he's been in the studio right like seems like non-stop since then
2: hell yeah but in a healthier more responsible way but hell yeah <laughs> <laughs>
0: Um, well, the, he, didn't he go to Montana or something to record for a while? Or I, I thought I read something about that.
2: Uh, top of a mountain in Wyoming.
0: Wow, <laughs> oh, there you go. It seems like his easiest mountain. Yeah, I think I think we're headed for great for great things.
2: I think so. This Kanye three point I guess we're at that. <laughs> <laughs> We're at that level. Well, is there uh, any other topics you want to discuss? Anything uh, else you want to say before we get going?
0: No, just uh, thanks for you guys' work. Um, Still catching up on your backlog, obviously. You guys got a lot of content Uh, to catch up on. Don't. You're definitely a (laughs) great You're a good resource for me. I, you know, I listen to your guys' episodes as research um, to my own podcast. So that's a service that I appreciate.
2: <laughs> well, that's uh that's happy to hear, and I'm happy we can help in spreading the gospel of yay. I'm
1: also shocked. <laughs> You're also what? I, I said I'm shocked. I was kidding. We're we're geniuses, yeah. so I'm not shocked. <laughs> <laughs> Travis putting on his Kanye ego.
2: (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, uh, thank you so much for being on the show. And, um, what, uh, what's the release schedule like for, uh, dissect season two.
0: So yeah, this posts on Tuesday, August 1st, uh, first episode will drop on Tuesday, August 1st. And it's a weekly installment. So it'll be every Tuesday, uh, new episode. So it's, three kind of preface episodes and then on the fourth episode we finally get to dark fantasy and then obviously one's on per episode and there'll be a recap um episode and probably i'll do one just specifically on uh, the runaway film also awesome fuck yeah well
2: looking forward to it and uh hopefully everybody that's listening to this goes and listens to that <laughs> it comes out the same day so it really is a tuesday that's right Tuesdays perfect perfect perfect. all right thanks so much Cole cool
0: thank
1: you very much audible.com.com.com.com.com Go to audibletrial.com slash WTT to get a free audiobook and a 30-day trial with Audible. If you do, we'll love you as much as Kanye loves Kanye.